Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information, the inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Oh, and real quick before we get to the show, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the Eat to Regain Your Period group coaching or the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching program. The Eat to Regain Your Period program is the go-to program to get your period back twice as quick as doing period recovery alone. And if you already got your period back, the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching program is for you. If you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you connect to one of these groups. Once in the program, you get a personalized structure plan with food and exercise to get your period back and maintain it for life. To learn more and apply for the next group coaching program, head over to periodnutritionist.com backslash programs dash overview. All right, let's get to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Period Recovery Podcast. So I have today with me a very special guest. He was one of my former clients and the very first former client slash client I am interviewing on my podcast. And I want you to give a warm welcome to Kate Baker. And Kate comes from a background of love for all things being active. She is a nurse and uh, has suffered from HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea before. And now she gets to tell us about story and how amazing her life is now. So Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here, Kate. And it's always so nice to be able to record because we get to do a little catch up before and then afterwards, you know, we get to talk about all things period recovery. So and I'm sure you haven't revisited this in a bit because it's been how long since you've had regular periods now? Oh, man. I actually stopped tracking how many cycles I've had normally, but I still track my cycles probably a year, year and a half. But I I actually like have had since working with you, I think it was right around my wedding. So it's been almost two years, actually. Wow. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's kind of dive into what, you know, what did period loss look like for you? How did you determine it was a problem? And all that. It goes actually way back to when I was younger and struggling with acne. I had my first period when I was 11 and I don't really remember tracking them. I was really young and just kind of mortified by the whole ordeal anyways. I didn't really track them and I really was struggling with acne. So, you know, my primary doctor at the time at the age of, I think, 12 put me on birth control and I was on it till I was 23, I believe. So that's like 11 years of having not real periods. And in during that time, I got really into sports. I suffered with a lot of disordered eating and decided to go off the birth control when I was 23 because I kind of started doing research about it and realized it probably wasn't very healthy for me to be on artificial hormones for that long. And then my period just never came back. 
at first I went to my doctor after about four months without a period and she was like, oh, it's fine. It's probably normal. Just give it a little bit more time. If you still haven't had it in six months, come back. But I, I never got it back. I think they tried to induce a period in me, but I think I got like one fake period and then that like, no, no more. And that's when I came across the No Period Now What book and Nicola Rinaldi and all the research that she's done on hypothalamic amenorrhea. I discovered that not having a period is actually not a good thing. So before even working with anyone, I went, you know, they have the term all in where you stop exercise and you, you just like eat whatever you want. I went half in, meaning I, according to the book, you're still exercising, but you're eating a surplus of calories. And ultimately, I got my period back, but all of my cycles were really far apart. Um, and that's when I consulted with you to figure out what I could do to get my period regular again. Awesome. And I don't want to say awesome, but awesome that you're able to be here today to share how it went down. And so what I heard was you were on the pill. You could potentially have lost your period much sooner than you really realized because you came off the pill and there was no period. And doctors were like, oh, that's normal. You know, you're fine. Come back in a few months or maybe here, take this to kickstart things again, Provera or something or progesterone, they'll say that. And so that's so, so common. Um, and it was even common 10 plus years ago when I was struggling with this. So so going back to the part where you said, I kind of had an idea, maybe like something was going on. I did have some disordered eating. I was exercising. But tell me about this disordered eating. Was it, yes, it was probably disordered, but was it, I mean, could you really pick up on that it was disordered because wasn't everyone probably doing the same thing as you? Yes and no. So it actually, when I was 14, I got diagnosed with anorexia and I was in outpatient treatment for a while. Um, but I actually graduated from that. It was able to maintain a healthy weight and just kind of lived my life from there, not actually changing the way I had a relationship with food. So, you know, get to my 20s. That was when I was 14. I think I was done with treatment by 15 and get to my 20s where I start exercising a lot, trying to fit in with the athletic community. I wanted to look a certain way. My relationship with food never really healed, but because it was so normalized on social media, I don't think I even really grasped how abnormal my eating patterns were. I would be afraid to go out with friends on a Friday. I would say no to plans all the time because I was afraid about the food situations that would be in front of me. So that was one thing that definitely has changed since recovery. Um, and I had a lot of food rules. Um, a lot of foods were off limits to me. I was terrified of pizza, for example. Uh, it took me super long to be able to eat pizza again. You know, just something that people eat all the time. Terrifying. I definitely had a lot of food rules that I kind of situated my life around and made a lot of sacrifices and didn't really form a lot of relationships because of them. And thank you for sharing that past, Kate, because that's, you know, I think it's common, you know, to to fear certain foods, going out, social events and stuff like that, because it's it's kind of normalized. And, you know, it's amazing that you were able to not only heal through 
you know, past when you were a teen, but come to the place where you're like, okay, I know that this is still sort of a problem and you could see it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, but I'm doing everything to be healthy. And so, you know, so flash forward, you found the book and you started eating more and your periods were still irregular. So what, what did you do to start like eating more? So was it just like, okay, I'm going to cut all my food rolls and just eat pizza and, you know, all the things or was it, okay, I'm going to sort of eat a little bit more. And I know you said you were kind of half in still exercising. So what did that look like for you after you found a resource that kind of confirmed what you were going through and, and this book could potentially help? Yes, that's a difficult question. <laughs> I think it was all a matter of perception in a way. When I was in my disordered eating pattern, I thought I was being healthy. In my brain, that was what it meant to be healthy. You you ate healthy foods, you exercised regularly. And I kind of was in this uh, attitude of what's wrong with everyone else? Why don't they care yes. about this as much as me? Totally, yep. Then reading the book, it became more of a issue of like, oh, I'm the one that has a problem, not everyone else. And I need to change, not everyone else. So at that point, I was, I, I realized it's more healthy for me to eat the quote unquote bad food to get my period back than it is for me to continue in this lifestyle, which I'm not even happy in to maintain a certain body. I think that was the biggest change was just the perception because I didn't know that not getting a period was linked to all of these other issues, heart disease, cardiovascular, or yeah, heart disease, bone issues. I have osteopenia. I don't know if I still do, but I did get a scan at one point, which put me into the osteopenia range. And that <laughs> scared me enough to really prioritize getting my period regularly. And so it's awesome that you were able to get, you know, to the point of getting a period for yourself by just following some general guidelines of eating enough and resting enough. But as we know, like, okay, sometimes even if you did get back regular healthy menstrual cycles, confirming your ovulation, there's also that mental component, right? The, okay, I can eat more and I can rest more because this goal is my period and I'm going to do what it takes to improve my health. But what was a, a big struggle for you as far as, you know, you did eat more? Did you feel more relaxed around food by doing it yourself? Or was it when you started to dive a little bit deeper into some nutrition coaching for period recovery is when you kind of started to like face the fears a little bit more and really overcome that and, and look a little bit deeper into why you felt the way you felt around food in your body. Yeah, uh, I needed that external help with you actually was when my periods actually became regular again. It was almost like doing it by myself. There was that voice inside my head constantly in like it wouldn't validate my decisions. Even though I was trying to fight it, uh, I almost needed a little bit of extra help from someone who specialized in this like you to be able to fight that voice in my head. And the more you do something difficult, the easier it becomes. So the more I ate pizza, the easier it was to eat pizza. And you had me keep a food diary um, and just talk about how I felt after my meals, how full was I? And that was huge. I didn't realize that I was constantly hungry until I was writing down 
through our coaching sessions how how I felt after my meals. And it's actually a tool I still use today. How full do I feel after this meal? And if I'm still hungry, I should listen to my body. Uh, absolutely. And that's something where, you know, most of us have gotten to this missing period place because we, you know, either we're on a certain diet or just trying to be quote unquote healthy, fitting in with societal's ideal of being thin equals healthy. And so we get into this place and tell me if this uh, was you where we volume eat, where we're eating these low calorie foods, but we're eating a pretty good amount of them. And then we're like, why are we hungry? Like, why am I hungry after I just ate this huge salad with all these vegetables and, you know, grilled chicken? And, you know, now we can come and say, well, you didn't have any fat. You didn't have any carbs. Oh, no wonder why you were, you were full, but you were hungry probably 30 minutes later, maybe sooner. So, but that's hard to determine because we're so, I don't know, programmed, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it into, like, you must eat the biggest amount of food and the lowest amount of calories versus let's eat what is satisfying to us then and also what has the nutrients to bring a healthy menstrual cycle back and then have it come back each month, um, which carbohydrates and fat are a big player in that. Let's just talk about, because the fear is real in period recovery, specifically to our body changing. So that's, you know, I think as, as doing this for, you know, a few years now, I think that's the biggest fear. But for you, Kate, what was your, you know, that voice in the back of your head that what was the biggest fear for you in regards to period recovery? I was scared that if I let myself eat what I wanted, I would just continue, continually gain weight indefinitely forever. Like I would never be able to stop because when you're in that refeeding period, your body sometimes wants four to 5,000 calories a day, maybe just to kind of be able to trust you again. It wants to store fat to feel safe. So I felt ravenous even after eating huge meals. And I was like, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to stop? needing to eat this much food to feel full. And I was afraid my fitness would get worse. And a lot of the fear I had, I think, was irrational. I don't think I even knew half the time what I was afraid of. I was just anxious around food. Yeah. And was there ever a fear of, am I harming my health more by doing this, by eating all the food and resting? What if I'm going to get, quote unquote, unhealthy? Absolutely. <laughs> That was definitely a fear, especially being a nurse. I see the other end of that too. So I didn't want to become one of my patients, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, of course, of course. And so that fear, like you said, it was quite irrational that you would just continue to gain weight and gain weight and just eat like this forever. Obviously, we have come to a point now where you're having regular periods and you're not eating that way anymore. And you haven't continued to gain and gain and gain and gain and gain and gain and gain, which I'm sure you probably don't even weigh yourself. That was all false, right? It was untrue thoughts. But, you know, for those listening that probably could relate so much to what you're saying, it's like those thoughts, I mean, when you were in it, they seemed so real, right? So true. Absolutely. So yes. true. And, you know, that, that fear and I think, too, a lot of times we get caught up in the thoughts thinking it's actually going to be true because 
we've thought it so many times. It must be true, right? So knowing that, you know, Kate has been there where she's felt that way about, you know, her body and food. And now we are out on the other side. Um, and we'll we'll get into more of how Kate's living now. But I wanted to ask, I know you said, you know, you got Dr. formerly known as Dr. Rinaldi is Dr. Sykes. So you picked up her book, read the book, started to eat a little bit more and got a period back. We're not sure if it was a healthy period because we don't know if you had ovulated at that point. And so then you came into my coaching, started doing a little bit of food journaling, um, really diving into your food fears. Is there anything that you could go back and say, like, this 110% helped me in getting my period back? Yes. It was one of the tools you gave me. I mentioned it earlier about my fullness scale. Uh, You had me rate where I was on my fullness scale from zero to 10. And seven was where kind of the aim was, because that means you're probably going to be full for the next three to four hours. And when you're fed, you are not fixated on food. So I knew that if I wasn't really even thinking about food, I was probably in a good place with how full I was. And since then, if I listen to that, I immediately feel better. And I can tell that my, like I'm ovulating normally. It's those times that I, and I, I don't ever purposely under fuel at this point, but times where I'm like, oh man, like I, I forgot to eat lunch or I didn't eat a very big lunch or I didn't pack enough that I'm like, I just feel fixated on food. I feel hungry. I feel miserable. Um, and sometimes I feel like it can affect my ovulation if I'm not fueling correctly. So that was a big, I do fertility awareness method. So I track my cycles pretty, you know, consistently for like, two years also. So I know if things are off a little bit just based on cervical fluid. So that that is what helped me the most, I would say, tool wise, and just not being afraid of whatever sounds good. Like if it pops in your head, you have a taste for it. Usually it means your body needs needs whatever that is or something in that food. Absolutely. That's amazing, Kate, that you were able to give yourself permission. And I'm sure it didn't look as easy as like, okay, you woke up one day, you're like, I'm just going to give myself full permission to eat whatever I want. No. Right? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's a process. It's not linear. There are days that are harder than others. And watching your body change is hard, but you encouraged me to buy clothes that fit and that helped a lot. Yes. Yes. And what a game changer that was. And I, I think I remember a conversation about maybe scrubs because you were an ER nurse at that time and getting scrubs that fit, or I don't even want to say fit, but felt good on your body versus, you know, not what a game changer that was for your mood at work. Yes. (laughs) It's not really fun to do nursing while also squeezed into clothes that are too small for you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, and I know it's not as easy, like going to the store um, and just picking out something new to wear. I know it's not always that simple. There's the fear of, you know, that you're doing something wrong or bad because you're buying something bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not because if you were going to buy something smaller, you would be fine, right? So let's talk a little bit about, all right, you got your period back and you're getting it month to month. We don't have to really pinpoint like a time frame per se, but how has your health improved? And not just like your health, health, like 
you know, heart health or period fertility health. But like, what about, you know, thinking about food, more energy, heart rate, going pee, like all those things. I used to pee all the time. It's funny you bring that up. I actually went to a urologist at one point and they were like, oh yeah, that's weird that you pee so much. And I would get these like bladder spasms. Um, And so that actually improved a lot when my period came back. But in terms of other health, my relationship health has improved. I can have food with other people. Uh, I go out with my family all the time. I'm not nervous to go get a drink with my friends or to go grab pizza with my family. It's it's just nice to have relationships where that's not a strain, I suppose, where I'm not going to someone's house worried about what they're going to serve for dinner if they invite us over for it. Um, and vice versa, I feel like I'm a better host because I'm kind of flexible with whatever people want, what to prepare for them. And other health, I would say, so I'm, I'm back to exercising regularly and I feel more energized and stronger, actually. Like, I think I'm stronger than I've ever been as an athlete since getting my period back. Um, I no longer feel tired or dreadful during my workouts. And if I do feel tired, I'm okay not working out. The world doesn't end if you take a week off. So mentally, mentally so much better. (laughs) Because that wasn't a thing before. It was like, you took a rest day and it was like, no, no. On top of working your 12-hour grueling nursing shifts, right? You're like, oh my, I see it in your face. You're like, how did I do that? Right? I like cringe when I think of my fitness pill. I cringe when I think of like the extremes I took to get my workouts in. Sometimes I would go before work. I would get up at three in the morning to go work out before a 12 hour shift. That's insane. That's crazy. Like who does that? I know. I know. And (laughs) I bet you there's people listening right now. That's like, oh, that's me. That's me. And it was me too. I would go to the gym before work, wake up at four, get there by five, work out for like a couple hours, go work eight to 10 hours, then come home and run. And But now I get to look back and be like, okay, all right, that wasn't right. But it's like at the time, that's all we knew. So if you're feeling, you know, if you're in the spot right now, like I'm doing this and I feel guilty, like up until this point, you probably didn't know that this could be causing more stress for your body, the lack of food, the lack of rest um, and stuff like that. And so now, you know, and now you can take little steps to get there or big steps, um, whatever you feel, you know, is is best for you. So back to, you know, the health. So you're not thinking about food 24-7, your relationships with people, with other humans have become so much better. And I'm sure prior to that, it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe you felt on edge all the time or people thought you were kind of maybe bitchy or something like that. And it was just because we weren't getting enough food. And so now, Kate, I'm sure you feel like you've found like the true Kate. Like this is who I am without being completely fixated on what I eat when I'm going to the gym what my performance was and, you know, and, and all that. You said, I heard you feel like you are the strongest that you have ever been in your athletic capability. So right now, what are you doing for exercise? Well, so I mentioned to you earlier before we started the podcast, my husband and I just bought a house. So we're in the middle of renovating. So I go to work and then we renovate. I did a half marathon last April. And 
I decided, because I'm a crazy person, that I would like to do three this summer. <laughs> so I'm running right now. I, I'm just in the beginning stages of training. I took the whole winter off of running. But I, you know, I just confirmed ovulation this morning. So I know that it's not affecting my ovulation, that I'm fueling properly. So that's, you know, that's what I'm doing for exercise. And then for climbing, I did... I mostly did climbing this past winter and last fall. So I, I just climbed harder things than I've really ever climbed and more consistently. I just took a climbing trip to Vegas. I didn't actually climb any of the things I wanted to, but I had a lot of fun and I'm just enjoying life in a more relaxed way, I guess. Exercise is fun and it's a good goal, but it's not like it's not the end all be all. It can't be what you get your validation and hope in. And it sounds like exercise is a part of your life versus you being a part of its life. Yes, it does not control me and it should not control me. Yes, yes, it's, absolutely. And, and I'm not getting up at three in the morning anymore to do it. If I'm tired, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's such an amazing place to be in because you, I, I think so many, and I'm sure you were there at one point too. I know I was, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to exercise again. And what if I lose all my strength? And I just got into, you know, running or I just got into CrossFit or whatever it is. And, you know, I've worked so hard to get where I am and I don't want to lose it. And I guess what kind of advice would you personally give being what you went through? Cause I know, you know, being active was a big part of your life. What advice would you give to someone that is going to potentially have to put a temporary, you know, breaks with with exercise. In my experience, I I mean, I did lose some of my fitness, but it was worth it. Absolutely. Um getting your period actually helps your performance. There's a lot of research on that, so that should be prioritized. If you're not getting a period, that means something's wrong and you should listen to your body because your body is I mean, it's pretty smart. It knows it wants to heal. That's my first thing. Prioritizing getting your period back is going to be worth it. So know that. And second of all, life is full of seasons. So this might just be a season for you. It's not forever. There's always going to be a turn. So it can be a priority maybe later down the road for you. But right now, it just can't be. And that's the season you're in. Try to find peace with that and accept that. Because ultimately, you're more healthy accepting that and just, you know, kind of putting your head down and getting through the tough parts than you are to fight it forever. Because you don't want to be someone who's lived half their life only to realize that you've made such an idol out of exercise that you missed out on so much of other life. Absolutely. I use that example of you don't want to be in the nursing home one day and the sounds completely morbid, but it's true, you know, at 85 years old and your grandchildren and maybe children bring in you cake and you're like, I can't eat it. I, I might gain weight or it's bad for me. I already had a piece of cake today. And then you have almost 85 years of your life potentially worrying about things that are not meaningful and do not define you as a person. You know, that's the, that's, that's the great part about period recovery how your life improves. But, you know, going back to what you said about the season that this isn't forever, it is not forever. It feels like it though, when you're in it, it feels like it's, this is going to be the rest of my life. And it's not. And I don't know what it is because I felt the same way. And I know you did too, Kate, that now we're able to say like, it is a season after going through it. 
So I, I totally, we totally feel you if you're in this place of like, maybe this is never going to work. And for you, Kate, during the time of being in that season of not being able to exercise as much as you wanted, was there anything that you, you did do for yourself? Any kind of self-care? Like, did you, you know, get more massages? Did you take more naps, watch more Netflix? What was kind of like your, yes, bit of self-care and bit of like, what does Kate need uh, today to get through the day? Oh, man. Well, I was dating my now husband at the time. So I just kind of enjoyed that time with him. I did hike a lot. I mean, it was that's walking for the most part. So I just kind of got outside and tried to stop and smell the roses kind of deal. (laughs) I just slowed down. For me, that was I did watch a lot of Netflix, honestly, but I wouldn't say I like super enjoyed that. (laughs) I mean, I, I like to relax and watch TV, but that's not like super fulfilling to me. (laughs) No. And I'm glad you share that because I think a lot of times we will think, oh, you know, the period recovery process is like, I have to like stop, like just doing everything and just sit on the couch and eat and watch TV and not be somewhat active still, but there's got to be that balance, right? Of when your body feels tired, you rested, right? But when you maybe had a little bit more energy or you were feeling good, knew that you were fueled, you might have went on a walk slash hike. So there's there's that that balance because I know a lot of us also struggle with feeling not productive if we don't accomplish something. And exercise was one of those things that we kind of was an accomplishment to us or like a check off the list. But um, we are type A personalities by nature as women with missing periods. And I think I've probably said this to many of my clients at one time or another, that if you took all of us women that had missing periods, uh related to HA and put us on an island, we would all get along so well. We'd have so much in common and we'd have the neatest, cleanest, most perfect island ever. Absolutely. (laughs) I love that. So anyways, we know how your life has improved a little bit, but anything else that you want to share that was kind of like, you know what, this journey wasn't the most pleasant thing to go through, but I would go back and not change a thing for the world because this is how amazing my life is now in regards to not being clouded by thoughts of food, body, exercise? I mean, you said it, really. (laughs) Just like exercise is a discipline, I think for us who have struggled with HA, not exercising is a discipline too. Ultimately, choose choose your discipline, but know that one's going to be better for you than the other in this season. Yes, I love that. And to know that there's so much light at the end of the tunnel. Now, Kate's back to training for marathon. She ran her half marathon. She did not have a blink of an eye with her her cycle being off. Um, rock climbing, she's back to being active and stronger than ever. So if that doesn't give you hope, especially if you are an exercise fitness fanatic, I don't know what will. Plus, you get the added bonus of like not feeling obsessed about it or guilty or just bent out of shape because you didn't get your workout in today and now your whole day is off. So there's there's no more of that. So if you had to give any tips to women out there that are like, okay, you know what? I found this story so motivating. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start to eat more. I'm going to cut out the intense exercise. What, if any, tips would you give to people? just starting out in this this journey? Oh, man. I would tell them just at the moment, take it day by day. So what are you going to do today 
to help you get your period back and just be kind of obedient to that. It, don't stop worrying about tomorrow. Just worry about today right now. And then also, I think being part of a support group was really helpful in some ways, but also don't check those pages like multiple times a day because they can make you anxious too. So if you're finding that those support groups are making you not like the ones where you're actually talking through therapy and stuff, but if you're like the Facebook ones, if you're finding those are making you anxious, just give it a break. You don't have to check it every five minutes, live your life (laughs) and be, you know, find some things that you enjoy that aren't exercise like I got really into baking during recovery and I still bake all the time so I see on your Instagram all that bread I wish I could (laughs) yeah sorry I would share uh yeah I got really into bread baking so find a hobby that isn't exercise and just kind of dive into it like it's kind of fun like if you're not gonna be exercising you might as well be doing something else that's fun and productive I guess uh and Plus, if you get into baking or cooking or anything like that, that's just going to help you move closer to your goal quicker. So yes. it's a, a, a oh, man. double perk. We're big carb people over here. We love bread. I don't even, I well, okay, we're renovating. So I'm buying store-bought bread, but normally homemade all the way. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's nothing like a fresh, like homemade loaf of bread. I agree. And this is coming from two people talking about bread that probably I know before bread. No, I can't eat bread. Like maybe on a special occasion, right? But not as a part of everyday life. And so food loses that power. You're able to enjoy it more and do more things that you love. And so, you know, going back to finding a hobby, you know, don't feel pressured to be like, oh my gosh, I got to find something. Yeah. Right? I gotta find something. <laughs> Like just explore. It's an exploratory phase. You'd be surprised what you might find yourself into. And, you know, I've had things from cross cross stitching to knitting to baking to cooking. I think a lot majority um get into the baking and the cooking side of things because we never really allowed ourselves to do this kind of stuff before. You know, if you think, well, if I bake something, I'm going to eat like all of it. If you do, A, that's okay. Listen to your body afterwards and say, okay, I know when I eat my 12 cookies that I bake, my I have a really bad stomach ache after. And so listening to your body, because we haven't really been listening to it um, for the most part, we're just letting it be dictated by outside factors like you should exercise this much each day, you should eat this much if you're this height and all that stuff. And so what our body needs versus what we actually think it needs are two different things. And I think that's where a lot of times the support comes in. Like you said, the support was great. You know, in my coaching at the time, uh, Kate was a one-on-one client of mine and I've now moved to group support with one-on-one, which is just amazing. It's amazing because, you know, you feel that connection with others going through the same thing and normalizing your experience because the whole entire outside world is doing the opposite of what you're doing right now. You're eating more, resting more. They are eating less and resting less and which could be really frustrating and make you question your journey over and over and over again. So that support is, is integral in that. So we got some tips. I always like to leave the last question. How are you living now? And I know you shared pieces and tidbits of what your life is now versus what it was before. But if you had to just sum up in a couple sentences, like how you are living now, 
what would that look like for you? My life doesn't revolve around food or exercise. I have healthy relationships that I am willing to pour into and be poured into. I'm just enjoying how, like the seasons of life as they move and hopefully, you know, trying to establish a good foundation with a house and maybe someday some children. Like things are good. <laughs> yeah. And what an amazing feeling it is because when you started your your process, you weren't looking to like have for, have kids anytime soon. So it wasn't a motivating factor. I think a lot of times we get to the point, I know it was for me, a little bit of a different scenario that a lot of times fertility is a, a motivating factor. And so now, since you were so proactive with your health, now when you're ready to have babies, it should just be a matter of timing, given that everything is okay on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, and what I mean by that is the partner uh, department. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. Um, but you're confirming ovulation. You'll know exactly when to what uh, the term is called BD. It's called baby dance. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. No, I've never but, heard it. <laughs> um, so BD is baby dancing, if you get what I'm saying. An amazing feeling to be like, okay, you know, when I'm ready, that's one thing I don't have to worry about is my my fertility. So amazing, Kate. And Hopefully, I, you know, like things yeah. go wrong, but Lord willing, like. <laughs> of course. Well, we can rule out the Not eighth having way. a period. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Once I got my period back, I was like, because before I was not even sure I wanted kids. I got my period and I was immediately, I was like, I want kids now. <laughs> so it's just funny. I think once you realize you're fertile, it's just, it's like in our DNA, we want to reproduce all of a sudden. Yes. And, and all the different feelings and emotions that start to come up because you actually have emotions. They were just lying dormant because your body was in such a tunnel vision of get me enough food and enough rest that you're able to laugh more, cry more, and just feel things a little bit more. And not so much one of my past clients, uh, the first first time I heard it, I laughed so much. She said, I'm, I'm no longer a robot and I have feelings. I'm okay to do things. I can, you know, have a different schedule one week or another day. It's just, it makes you so much more flexible, not only with your food, but with like life situations as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hey, I want to thank you for not only being my first guest client slash former client, but for taking the time out, it's um, a Sunday today, and Kate and I had to find a time where I didn't have screaming children running around downstairs, and it collided with our work schedule. So I'm so happy that we got to catch up, share some of your story, and hopes this is going to inspire other women across the world to really take control of their health and what is most meaningful in their life. So thank you so much again, Kate, for being here. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. We know there are a lot of pods out there and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, 
please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.